The downtown east side losing an affordable shopping option. We're all scrambling to think what are, what are we going to do to just get our basic necessities. A dollar store closing up shop as downtown businesses struggle with public safety issues. A disturbing discovery. I would be devastated if this happened to another family. A Vancouver Island woman finds a pill in her child's Starbucks treat. How the company is responding. 18 BC Muslim groups demand Selena Robinson resign following the NDP cabinet minister's comments on Palestine. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. Theft, disorder, threats of violence, the struggles businesses face in downtown Vancouver are well documented, forcing some of them to close their doors. Now people in Chinatown are lamenting the loss of a staple store that helped keep their shelves stocked. As Alyssa Thibault reports, the closure comes as police investigate another violent incident at a downtown store. For this Dollar Tree store in Chinatown, the days are numbered. A sign on the front door saying the location will be closing March 2nd. We're all scrambling to think what are, what are we going to do to just get our basic necessities, basic needs, but not get gouged for them because we just don't have the money for it. Charlotte Cezati shops here every week because everyday essentials are still affordable. Laundry soap, dish soap, paper towels, napkins, light bulbs. Each one of those items is about $3 less per item here than it is anywhere else. Inside, store shelves are already starting to empty. And while register staff couldn't tell Global News the reason for the closure, security personnel say theft is a constant issue. Cesati says she's witnessed people become aggressive with staff. I hear the shouting start. I've seen the security go to like take care of the situation. There's like so much violence down here, guys, that like it's scary to even confront someone. Just a few blocks away, police are investigating a violent incident at a 7-Eleven on Robson Street. VPD say there was an altercation between a worker and a customer around 8.30 Saturday night. The staff member was treated for minor injuries, while the customer was seriously injured and had to be taken to hospital. We have these incidents in Vancouver, uh, but they're happening all over the province. Jess Ketchum with the Save Our Streets Coalition says issues of violence and crime are continuing to plague BC businesses. SOS now has nearly 70 members, up from 30 when it launched three months ago. We all believe that we need to raise the profile of these issues, um, demand from government that they um, fix the problem. A sentiment echoed by Cesati. She believes closures like this Dollar Tree are the result of a lack of consequences. We've got to tighten up the laws a bit more, guys, because it's just, it's having a major impact and, you know, it's not a good one. Global News has reached out to Dollar Tree Corporate for comment. Alyssa Thibault, Global News. Mystery continues to surround Vancouver's first murder of 2024. It happened a week ago in a quiet residential part of the city. One person has been charged and we're now hearing from friends of the victim who were still piecing together how their loved one died and why. Angela Jung has the story. Flowers placed outside this East Vancouver home where a man was murdered. Surreal, just been hard to process it. Vancouver police say in the early morning hours of January 28th, the man was found dead on the floor of this home on Henry Street near East 33rd Avenue. 
Police identified the victim as 31-year-old Alexander Lowe. That's wretched. Paul Forehand says he's shocked by what happened, remembering his friend as a caring person. He was a kind soul. Uh, he's very good sense of humor. Um, wouldn't hurt a fly. He just had a really childish sense of humor and uh, kind of funny kid. A 39-year-old man was arrested at the home. Dwight Williams Kimach has now been charged with second-degree murder and remains in jail. The cause of death is still under investigation. Um, as well as what the motive was, what the relationship was. Forehand says he doesn't know how Lowe knew the suspect. He talked to Lowe that weekend, and nothing seemed amiss. Yeah, a regular conversation I have with Alex, and um, it was, um, yeah, sad. The homicide unit continues to investigate. We're still gathering evidence and, and conducting interviews so we can uh, piece this um, homicide together and find out what led up to it. An online fundraiser has now been launched to help Lowe's family pay for funeral expenses and ensure a dignified farewell. They're crushed. Uh, the mother's distraught. The brother's sad himself. Agonizing and left wondering why Lowe's life was tragically cut short. He's loved and missed. Angela Jung, Global News. FIFA revealing what games Canada will host in the 2026 Men's World Cup. The first ever Men's FIFA World Cup match to be hosted in Canada will be held in Toronto. Soccer's governing body making the announcement in a lavish production this afternoon. The first game of the 2026 tournament will be played in Mexico City on June 11th. The first game at BC Place will be on June 13th. All right, let's bring in Barry for more on this story. Well, here we go. Mm -hmm. That's very exciting. We weren't, uh, you knew Vancouver is going to get a, a few games. I think the, initially it was, uh, we thought Travis maybe just three or so, but to get seven is uh, is excellent. They weren't sure of the format maybe initially. They were going to go with 48 teams. We know it's a increased uh, uh, amount of teams from uh, 32 that we previously have seen, but uh, to get seven games here is awesome. And the big news is Canada is going to get two group stage matches matches at BC Place. So here are some of the dates. Uh, as you can see on uh, the calendar, Canada is going to play on the 18th and then again on the 24th. So that's great for fans who can watch a Canada World Cup game at BC Place. And then uh, the other good news is that if Canada advances out of the uh, group stage, so top two in each of the 12 uh, groups plus the eight best finishers, they would get a, a round of 32 game July 2nd. Of course, Canada would play there. And if they get to the round of 16, it would be on July 7th and Canada would play at BC Place again. So up to four games for Canada at BC Place. We know they'll get at least two and uh, that's very exciting. 13 games in all in Canada, six in Toronto, seven in Vancouver, and they can hold about up to 60,000 at BC Place. So. It's going to be awesome. It's still two years and four months away, I think. But uh, <laughs> Who's counting? Who's counting, but I can imagine the tickets are, uh, are going to be uh, worth their weight in gold for sure. No kidding. It'll be awesome. We'll see if that roof can be open. They'll blow the roof off if, 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 <laughs> if it isn't. Yeah. All right. Sounds All right. good. Thanks, Barry. A large rally supporting trans rights got underway today at the Edmonton Legislature, protesting the Alberta Premier's new policies. And in Kelowna, close to 100 people gathered at Stewart Park to stand with them.
The uh, message that came out from Alberta actually sent shockwaves across the country, so it's not just Alberta that's affected by it. On Wednesday, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith announced that province will require schools to notify and gain parental consent if their child changes their name and pronouns in school. Smith also announced the government will be working with sporting organizations to ensure trans women cannot participate in women's only sports. The announcement upsetting the queer community in Kelowna. There's definitely setbacks and um, trans rights uh, were never really on the forefront of gay rights. And then when we brought them to the forefront to support our trans people in our community, um, it's really uh, sad that um, there's such a huge attack on them. Turner is praising those who braved the rain and cold to support the rally and says the community will continue to voice their opinions on these issues. A Vancouver Island woman says she found a pill lodged in a sweet treat purchased from Starbucks. As Cassidy Moscone reports, the mother says she only realized after her five-year-old son took a bite. Isabel Piper says when her five-year-old son took a bite out of his Starbucks cake pop, it didn't taste so sweet. He took a bite of it and proceeded to tell me how disgusting it was and that it wasn't what he ordered. What the Vancouver Island mother says happened next is concerning. So I went to go hand it to my other son. When I went to do the transaction, I moved my head along with the cake pop in my hand and that's where I seen the pill just laying. A pill pictured beside the sweet treat. Immediately I freaked out, yelled at my son not to take a bite. Isabel believes it came from inside the cake pop. He took a bite of it and then immediately basically handed it over. RCMP Comox Valley confirmed to Global News officers are investigating the allegations that are said to have happened early Thursday morning at Starbucks Courtney location. Isabel says management there took her complaint seriously and stripped the product from its shelves. Customer care providing the name of the manufacturer who didn't get back to our requests for comment. Starbucks Canada did in a statement telling us it is investigating the incident. Delivering a safe and quality experience to our customers is our top priority and we will act with an abundance of caution whenever a potential concern is raised. A cake pop's an easy thing to throw at your child um, while you're driving and going out and I would be devastated if this happened to another family and uh, their son or daughter didn't say anything. It's really just making sure that it doesn't happen to anyone else. It's a, Starbucks is a really big company and who knows if there's another one out there. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. Still to come on the news hour, taxi service denied. A cab driver turns away a blind man in Vernon who was trying to catch a ride with his service dog. And an emotional rescue in Kamloops, an orphaned bear cub in poor health gets a second chance. More than a dozen BC mosques have taken the unusual step of banning NDP MLAs and candidates from their properties. This comes in the wake of a cabinet minister's comments last week by post-secondary education minister Selena Robinson about the history of Palestine. And now the party has cancelled a fundraiser in Surrey. Julia Foy has the latest. I'm here outside the area banquet and convention centre in Surrey where Sunday night there were supposed to be up to a thousand people who paid $150 a ticket to attend a fundraiser for the BC NDP. But late Saturday, the party pulled the plug 
And questions remain about whether this could be connected to recent comments from post-secondary minister Selena Robinson. They don't understand that it was a crappy piece of land with nothing on it. it you know, there were you know several hundred thousand people, but other than that, it didn't produce an economy. It didn't have, it couldn't grow things. Robinson was part of a Jewish public policy event hosted by the Benai Brith Canada. Since then, several people have asked for her to resign. Late Saturday, the BC Muslim Association released a statement directed to Premier David Eby, saying they are deeply concerned about the comments regarding the region of Palestine, adding it is disheartening to witness such derogatory remarks and requesting that Robinson publicly recognize that she is engaged in a pattern of Islamophobia and anti-Palestine racism. Several protesters were expected to attend this evening's event, but now, instead of a fundraiser, the owners of the area banquet are stuck with the bill for food, staffing and security costs. But they're expecting to meet with the BCNDP about clearing that debt on Monday. Julia Foy, Global News. A fishing boat docked at Port Hardy's Fisherman's Wharf has been completely destroyed by fire. It erupted just before 7 this morning. Port Hardy Fire says no one was on the boat at the time and the fire was able to be quickly put out. The boat has since been removed from the water. Fire crews say the owner had just bought the vessel and was planning to go fishing today. There's no word on what caused the blaze. What should have been a simple cab ride home for a blind senior in Vernon turned into a long night that almost ended with him being stranded at the side of the road. But as Victoria Famia reports, his service dog saved the day. I put Dodger's harness back on him and I told Dodger to find a way home. And he brought me home. Roland Croteau, a blind senior in Vernon, was looking for a way home, but ended up abandoned with only his service dog, Dodger, to lead the way. Or the taxi came and he re refused to take me and Dodger in the cab. He said he was allergic to dogs. After being denied entry, Vernon Taxi sent a second driver to pick up Croteau, but things only got worse on the drive home. And he could not find my house. He drove around back and forth. Finally, he drove one down one street and he dropped me off at a house and it was the wrong house. And then I was walking back to the road and he took off left me on the side of the road. The incident happened back on January 26. Vernon Taxi issued a statement to Global News saying, we are aware of the unfortunate and regretful situation that took place with Roly and his service dog. We are using this incident as an opportunity to learn from and retrain both our drivers and dispatchers so situations like this do not happen in the future. Our deepest apologies go out to Roly and his service dog, Dodger. Once Croteau was dropped off, he at first didn't know he wasn't home. It wasn't until he walked into his carport and didn't feel his boat around him. What he felt was unfamiliar things. And that's when he realized he wasn't home, so he looked to Dodger. Find a way home. A little scared because it's 11 o'clock at night. Even if I would have went to somebody's house, are they going to answer the door at 11 o'clock at night? You know, in the dark and the rain. So, but... My dog brought me home. Croteau estimates he and Dodger walked three blocks to get home, and he's thankful that Dodger was familiar with whatever area they were dropped off at. Could have been pretty bad. So you put all your trust in Dodger that night? Oh, yeah, yeah, I always do. <laughs> no matter where I go, I uh, 
I trust him. Good boy, Dodger. Good boy. Victoria Femia, Global News. A former Paralympic athlete is urging the public to be more cautious around railways. Ian Gregson captured this drone footage Saturday near the Sperling Burnaby Lake Skytrain station. A group of teenagers had stopped near the railway tracks for a photo shoot. Gregson says he shouted at the teens to get off the tracks and the group scattered. A short time later, an eastbound train sped through. Gregson knows about railway safety. He lost his leg in a railway incident when he was 15. He says he's glad he was there to warn the teens. They could have completely ignored me and just, you know, but they didn't, they ran. And that was the best thing they could have done because literally within about a minute and a half, uh, an eastbound train came through. And they could, you never know what those kids are gonna do. They could panic, they could run, they could trip, which is, you know, the worst thing could happen. And uh, I, I think I, I would like to think I, you know, prevented something. Gregson adds fencing should be installed along the tracks to prevent something similar from happening in the future. Ottawa is planning to extend a ban on foreign home buyers. The ban on foreign home ownership was set to expire next year, but in a news release this morning, it announced plans to extend the ban until 2027. This means foreign commercial enterprises, non-Canadian citizens and non-permanent residents will not be able to buy homes. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland says the extension will ensure houses are used as homes for Canadians and not speculative financial assets. The community of Tobiano, west of Kamloops, is celebrating after a bear cub was trapped and sent to wildlife rehabilitation. The cub's tiny and spent its days near houses when it should normally be hibernating. So the community adopted the animal, then called for help. We get the story from CFJC News. <laughs> It's been an emotional few days for a group of residents living in Tobiano. Somebody in the community posted a picture probably not quite a week ago of what they thought was a bear print in the slush and just thought, hey, heads up community, I think there's a bear in the area. A few days later, a bear cub was spotted in the neighborhood. People had spotted it here and there, so I was just kind of following that and making people that I could see bear aware. Residents kept their distance believing its mother could be nearby until the cub camped out in a backyard. We didn't know the condition of the bear. It looked like it was really emaciated from what we could see. Nobody was getting close to it. Um, and we just, my heart broke for this bear. <laughs> I don't want to cry. The community rallied around this starving bear, even naming it Toby. Multiple residents reached out to conservation, looking for someone to come save this bear. We were just like, come on, Toby, but we wanted to be really quiet. We didn't want to scare him or anything like that. We knew help was on the way. So then that was a big relief, and it was just a matter of just trying to sustain him here until, until Lydia got here and was able to rescue him. Lydia Coote is a volunteer for Northern Lights Wildlife Society. She drove from Hope to trap the bear. This year just has been a really difficult year where all the forest fires and dried out berry crops and stuff like that. She believes Toby is less than a year old. It weighs only 14 pounds. He is very tiny. His body size is very tiny. So that means he must have lost a mom quite long time ago. Toby is now on his way to Northern Lights Wildlife Society in Smithers, where he'll be regaining his strength before being released in June. 
I, I feel so relieved. Sydney Chisholm, CFJC News. Still ahead, a high-profile case with serious allegations heads to court. Five former Canada World Junior Hockey players accused of sexual assault will soon enter their pleas before a judge. And the desperate calls for help in Chile as wildfires rip through densely populated areas. Dozens of people confirmed dead. A high-profile investigation into allegations of sexual assault involving players from Canada's 2018 World Junior Hockey Team goes to court tomorrow. Five hockey players, four of them in the NHL and one former NHLer now playing in Europe, are facing charges they sexually assaulted a woman in a London, Ontario hotel room six years ago. All five men are expected to plead not guilty. Eric Sorensen reports from London, Ontario. It is potentially a watershed moment for hockey and the justice system in this country. On Monday, police in London will outline long-delayed charges of sexual assault for five professional hockey players on leave from their teams, including three NHL clubs, careers and reputations hang in the balance. They're in unknown territory. I mean, their careers are at stake. Their professional life is at stake. You know, their, uh, their ability to earn a living, you know, they could be incarcerated as well. For the accuser, identified as EM, it is an agonizing quest for justice. This is going to be a brutal, brutal experience for her. Daphne Gilbert says complainants have often faced a backlash when celebrities like sports heroes are accused. But she says police and prosecutors are acutely aware of the enormous public interest in this case. It does seem to have taken a long time and I can only hope that that means that the case is really solid now that it's coming forward. Gilbert says the case will hinge on consent applied distinctly to each of the accused. The alleged assault is said to have happened in this London hotel after a Hockey Canada gala in June 2018, honoring the world junior champions. The five accused played for that celebrated team. The woman was 20 at the time. The whole legal system in Canada is not well suited uh, to assisting sexual assault survivors. McIntosh Ross says the case will test not just the legal system, but other institutions, such as Hockey Canada, which quietly paid a settlement to the accuser, while the accused kept playing in the NHL and Europe. There will have to be a commitment from the NHL, from Hockey Canada, uh, from lawyers, journalists, um, players, coaches, to really make a commitment to changing this culture because this didn't happen overnight. This happened over decades. I think any characterization that this is a systemic issue is both inaccurate and unfair. The NHL's commissioner felt compelled to answer critics as the league's all-star weekend was showcasing its best players. Gary Bettman distanced the NHL from those now facing charges. All will be free agents at the end of this season, though Bettman wouldn't say what the league's plans are. What transpires in the judicial proceedings may have to, may have to some extent an impact on what we choose to do or not do. For now, the players' hockey careers are on hold as they face criminal charges in this courthouse on Monday. The charges haven't been tested in court. Lawyers for the players say they will plead not guilty. Eric Sorensen, Global News, London, Ontario. In Chile, there are scenes of devastation as deadly wildfires tear through the country's Valparaiso region. The blazes have destroyed more than 1,000 homes, killing at least 64 people. Hundreds remain missing. Abigail Beeman has more on the destruction and the uphill battle ahead. 
fighting fires from the air and the ground. It was like living through hell, says this woman who lost her home in the coastal tourist city of Vina del Mar. We need help, this woman says. Food, supplies, clothes. I lost everything. This Taylor couple tries to salvage what's left of a workshop while these people search for a missing cat. Areas near Vina del Mar and Valparaiso have been hardest hit, home to around a million people and about 120 kilometers from the capital, Santiago. At least 1,200 homes destroyed and 9,000 hectares burned. The fires broke out during a heat wave in central Chile. Weather has made extinguishing as many as 90 fires more challenging with high winds, low humidity and temperatures topping 40 degrees. Authorities are also investigating whether arson played a role. This is the deadliest catastrophe since the 2010 earthquake that killed 500 people. And Chile's president said Sunday the death toll will rise significantly. Crews work around the clock to not only battle active blazes, but help the injured and find the missing. In his weekly address, Pope Francis prayed for the dead and injured in the fires he called devastating. A state of emergency was declared Friday night, while the president announced two days of national mourning will start Monday. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. Still ahead, concerns of a water shortage in the province this year. It might be hard to believe with the rain we've had on the south coast, but BC's energy regulator warns drought conditions in the north could stick around long term. An atmospheric river is damaging roads and homes in California. In San Francisco, high winds took down giant trees. Wind warnings and advisories are in effect for coastal areas across much of the state, with streets expected to flood in low-lying areas. In the mountains, that precipitation is falling as snow, as much as 90 centimetres expected by the end of the day, and it's falling at about 10 centimetres an hour. The Weather Service says the atmospheric river is thousands of kilometres long. BC's energy regulator is warning oil and gas companies of potential water shortages for the rest of 2024. The agency blames persistent drought conditions in northern BC that show no signs of letting up, which has had an impact on stream flows, groundwater levels and a lower than average snowpack. The drought is affecting the heart of BC's oil and gas country, which relies on water in its operations. The BC ER says watersheds are facing potential critical water shortages. The regulator advises the public to consider adopting water conservation measures for the rest of the year. The Lower Mainland was treated to dry conditions today, the sun even making an appearance. Will it continue? With more, we're joined by meteorologist Yvonne Schell. Travis, it's been pleasant through the day today with dry conditions, even some breaks in there. We've got a few clouds this evening and it'll be dry leading in towards our Monday. For back to work and school, it'll be a mainly cloudy sky. Temperatures will climb up closer to 7 degrees. It'll be right around the average for this time of the year, but it's through the week that our overnight lows will be even cooler. Now, we are going to still track a blip in the forecast. Most areas in towards the interior for traveling along the mountain passes. Snow level sitting at around 800 meters. We could still see some wet snowfall, 2 and up to 4 centimeters as possible. 
possible. And areas along the coast, we still have a lull in the action. We've had a ridge of high pressure building in along the region. So areas in towards the interiors where we could see that wet snowfall. We've got a nice break from Monday, Tuesday along the south coast. The next weather maker that is going to move in will be for our Wednesday. This looks to be rain for all areas along the coast. It'll be heavy at times and it'll dissipate quite quickly by Thursday. We'll rebound and we'll be back into a mix of sun and cloud. Long range forecast and showing the temperature trend over the next 10 days, 7 and 8 degrees with that rain for Wednesday. But it's our overnight lows. Do keep that in mind. This is the trend that we're seeing and we could see many areas close to or hovering the freezing mark. So it is going to be cooler in the coming days. Now the northern half of the province with the sunshine along the coast, three will be the high. Still very chilly for the northeastern corners of the province. Fort Nelson seeing highs just up to minus 15. It's the southeastern corners, the Colombian Kootenai region areas along the mountain passes for the morning hours with wet flurries, making a bit of a change over to a chance for some showers. Tops in Okanagan will see highs closer to four degrees and Whistler with a mainly cloudy sky and a high up to three. Along the island tomorrow, we'll see more sunshine, especially along the western edge near Tofino, Victoria with highs up to eight degrees, the lower mainland. Cloud cover through the day, a few breaks, but it'll be mainly cloudy. We are going to see highs between six away from the water up to nine degrees. Our five day forecast, so Monday, Tuesday, quite pleasant with dry conditions. It's the rain that's going to move in through the day on Wednesday and heavy at times. And then Thursday, Friday, we'll be back into that sunshine. But do keep in mind, especially for the overnight lows, it'll be cooler in the coming days and through the day tomorrow with a few breaks in there and more sunshine as we get in towards our Tuesday. Travis. Okay, thanks, Yvonne. 2023 marked a record-setting year for Biggs killer whale sightings in BC. Last year, over 1,400 Biggs killer whales, also known as transient orcas, were spotted in BC waters. That number is a 14% jump compared to 2022. According to the Orca Behavior Institute, the peak season to spot the whales is between August and September. After the break, we'll head to Sun Peaks to check in on what's becoming an annual tradition. It's a frantic scene up there with a whole lot of skiers and snowboarders racing, but they're doing it on foot, and Jay Durant will explain why. Stay with us. Yeah, we ready to go? We're going to win this period? How are you feeling? Yeah, let's keep going. All right, Captain, get in here. U11 girls show their enthusiasm at the North Surrey Sport and Ice Complex this morning. They're participating in the 12th annual Wickfest Female World Hockey Festival back after a three-year hiatus. The event is in partnership with former Canadian Olympic hockey star Haley Wickenheiser. It provides a chance to showcase women's hockey at the grassroots level and encourages more young girls to lace up their skates. Well, skiers and snowboarders from around the Kamloops area raced to Sun Peaks this weekend for what's becoming an annual tradition, competing in an event that hosts skill levels of all types. Here's Jay Durant with This Is BC. Olympic dreams may have long disappeared, but there are a few short moments of glory up for grabs here. Red Bull's home run, which has grown in popularity around the world, made its Canadian debut last year, doubling in size in just its second season at Sun Peaks. I think I've already passed maybe 50 people. Woo! Yeah, I'm in the free, free run zone here in the middle. Oh, oh, oh. 
Lewis too. Oh, nice. A frantic scramble to skis and snowboards, followed by a wild ride to the bottom. Those with a good head start got away clean. But for some, it was heartbreak halfway down. Oh! Oh! Are you okay? A podium finish means some small prizing. We're the same. All right, ladies, what's your medal? But it's the prestige of the title, the bragging rights that will carry through until early 2025. Oh, it was absolute carnage, but it was so fun. And an apre that's world class, no matter what the level of competition. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, email your ideas to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. The Vancouver Whitecaps are back in BC after their training camp in Spain, and the Caps are set to play this week in Langford against a tough opponent out of Mexico in Champions Cup play. Barry will have the details next. Barry's back. Exciting World Cup news today. Yeah, this is uh, really good stuff. More than I think a lot of people uh, could have hoped for. Uh, thanks so much, Travis. As uh, you may have heard earlier, Vancouver will host seven World Cup matches at BC Place in 2026, and that includes at least two of Canada's group stage matches. BC Place will also be the site of a round of 32 and a round of 16 knockout match. And if Canada gets that far, it would only make sense they would uh, play those games here in Vancouver, unless they play USA or Mexico, but that's another story. So plenty of excitement for soccer fans. This once in a lifetime moment, now just 28 months away, Toronto will host six World Cup games, including Canada's first group stage match. The bulk of the games for the rest of the tournament will be in the United States, including all of the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the championship match. Well, speaking of soccer, the Whitecaps are back from Spain where they spent a couple of weeks getting into a playing shape. They better be ready because this Wednesday at Starlight Stadium in Langford, the Caps will play Mexican side Tigris in the first of a two-game total goal series in the CONCACAF Champions League. Whitecaps are at a severe disadvantage. The Mexican League has been playing for about five weeks now, so the Caps have to get up to speed quickly. We need to be at our top there extremely aggressive team they come to you man to man they basically take the air out of you if you're not able to get out of the pressure they shoot from every position they do a lot of crosses so i think uh, a hard task is going to be ahead of us but i think we'll be ready to to do our best yeah i think it's going to be good atmosphere it's going to be it's a small stadium but if it's if it's full it can be really good atmosphere we know we play there against pacific it was really nice to play there so uh, yeah i'm really looking forward to that game and that game is uh, Wednesday once again. English Premiership, number one Liverpool visiting third place Arsenal. Gunners trailing by five points, felt they needed to have the full three points, and they got it off to a great start. 
Great save there, but uh, clean, cleaned up by Bukay Osaka. 1-0 Arsenal. They were motivated. You could see it. Liverpool did tie, but Arsenal regained the lead thanks to a Liverpool blunder. Goalkeeper Allison and defender Virgil van Dijk get their wires crossed. Gabriel Martinelli accepts the gift. 2-1 Arsenal. And then in stoppage time, Gunners will seal the deal. Leandro Trossard fires through Allison's legs. It did take a deflection off Van Dijk, who had a forgettable day. Arsenal win 3-1. They're now second, just two points back of Liverpool. So it's game on for the Premiership this year. Also today from Old Trafford, Manchester United hosting West Ham. Rasmus Hoyland is celebrating his 21st birthday in style, opens the scoring in the 23rd, fourth goal in as many matches for Hoyland. Man, you got a pair of second-half goals from uh, Alejandro Garnacho. Hammers the left footer here. It takes a bit of a deflection, but a great shot. 3-0 the final. United now sixth in the standings. The Canucks practiced uh, tonight in Raleigh as they officially begin their stretch run with a five-game road trip starting Tuesday against the Carolina Hurricanes. Canucks also called up Linus Carlson from Abbotsford today. Canucks are first overall with 71 points, 33 games remaining. Vancouver's on pace for a 119-point season, which would break their current record of 117 points set in 2010-11 when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Western League last night, red-hot Vancouver Giants at home to Everett Silvertips, who are uh, second in the West. Giants 8-3-1 in their last 12. First period tied at 1. London Hoylet with the deflection gave the Giants a 2-1 lead. And then check out this play off the face-off. Tyler Thorpe through the centerman's legs and then flips it home. Great goal is 23rd. It was 3-1. And then Captain Samuel Honzik makes it 4-1. That ended up being the game winner as the Giants win again 4-3. And with that win last night, the Giants are now 9-3-1 since January 1st. They're still not back to 500, but close, just two games under. But it's been quite the turnaround after a very inconsistent first half. And this is a team that truly feels their best is still to come. Maybe a three on two for the Giants. Pass across. Zero went timer. Scores! It's taken them more than half a season, but the Vancouver Giants are starting to play the kind of hockey now that they feel will not only get them into the playoffs, but do some damage once they get there. The turning point came this past weekend. In a three-game series versus Victoria, the Giants rallied from three goals down one night and from four goals down on the road the next, posting dramatic confidence-building victories. When you go down, you got to you know, keep on fighting, and you know, we show that fighting spirit as a team, and you know, really proud of everybody. Uh, so I think that's going to be really important, especially heading into the playoffs. That's, uh, you know, that's an attribute you really need uh, when you're battling, battling to get to the playoffs and while you're playing in them. Connor Levis knows a good team when he sees one. He'd spent his entire Western League career in Kamloops on a Blazers squad that had gone consistently deep in the playoffs and hosted the Memorial Cup last year. He was acquired at the deadline a few weeks ago and has been the steadying influence they were hoping for. Levis has the hat trick. So he knows what it takes, uh, you know, to be on a good team and to play against other two uh, top teams and what it takes to, to be competitive and win every single night too. So having his experience is going to pay dividends, especially at the latter part of the season. It's taken some time for the Giants to get traction, but that was expected. Nearly half the team is 17 or under and are Western League rookies. We had a really young team at the start and I think that was, that was part of it. Guys had a learning curve to kind of get around and stuff. 
So I think we just kind of we had to stick with it, and it's good to, that we're kind of getting rewarded for the for the tough start. You know, as a coach or a staff or organization, you want to see your team get better as the year goes on, and we certainly have uh, improved throughout the season to a point where I really like where our group is going right now. And of course, no team can have success without being strong in goal. Brett Merwald has been that and more. He's been a workhorse, leading the league in minutes played and shots faced. I feel like I'm in a good spot. Obviously, I'm just kind of doing my role and I do my job whether I'm getting 20 shots or 40. I just try and give these guys a chance every night. That's kind of what I focus on. You know, when he's in, in our net, you know, you can have those lulls where you don't have the momentum and the other teams are putting pressure on you and he, and he just kind of calmly calms things down. He makes those saves when he needs to make them and which allows us to get back into those type of situations, those games when you're down maybe one or two goals. So uh, he's, been, he's been really good for us this year and, and you can see how the guys play in front of him. And Western League action uh, today. Prince George won over Kamloops 5-3 and a couple in progress. Victoria down 3-1 after two in Seattle and a wild one in Spokane. Rockets down 6-5 after two to the Chiefs. NBA tonight. Canadian Shea Gilgis-Alexander and the Oklahoma City Thunder hosting the Raptors. OKC leads the West. Raptors are 26th in the 30-team league, but they got some injuries uh, back. R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Jacob Pirtle, and they led 63-47 at the half. R.J. with the layup there but OKC roared back. Great inbounds play. Aaron Wiggins lays it in, ties it at 110. We need overtime. We actually need double overtime, and the Raptors look pretty good early. Barrett one more time going strong. He's got 21. Couple of Canadians on the Raptors with Chris Boucher. OKC's got two Canadians too, Gilgis Alexander, and Montreal's Lou Dort does it all. Great defender. He'll be on the Olympic team and 135-127 OKC comes back to win this one in double overtime. Sunday play was literally washed out at Pebble Beach. Heavy rain and wind forced the postponement of round four as an atmospheric river hits California. They will try to get the round in tomorrow. If not, they could call the tournament at 54 holes and Wyndham Clark would be declared the winner. He, of course, shot a course record 12 under 60 on Saturday. Who said that uh, song, Never Rains in California? Man, it really rains. But when it pours, it really pours, and it is. So the guy was right. That was like 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah, California is dealing with it They're right struggling, now. yeah. All right, thanks, Barry. After the break, the kids who are literally building bridges with food. Stay with us. Constructing spaghetti bridges is a hands-on engineering project that's both fun and educational. Students at Beverly Elementary in Prince George took on the challenge, building bridges both physical and metaphorical. Here's Dave Branco from CKPG News. Understanding the strength of pasta, a creative mind, and engineering skills while providing valuable insights into structural principle is the recipe for building a spaghetti bridge. It's teamwork, it's group work, they have a mission and the teachers are not controlling it. It's student driven. They build their blueprints, they test, they fail, they test again. They get a smidgen of success, they talk as a class, they talk as a team. For these students, the most enjoyable aspect of building spaghetti bridges is the freedom it offers for creativity. Participants are not confined to specific blueprints, allowing them to experiment with designs and construction techniques. Not too many triangles because that would add too much weight, but enough to the point where it can distribute the weight enough to try and go with a lighter design than other ones and not make it too tricky to build. 
Constructing a spaghetti bridge prompts teamwork and cooperation, as participants must combine their ideas and abilities to produce a structure. A lot of conversation, a lot of consensus building, there's been tears, there's been frustration on teams, there's been some meltdowns, not all of them mine. Um, and it has really forced these kids to create a common goal, agree on a plan, and through adversity work toward that plan. And if they've changed the plan, it had to be a team agreement. The team that built the strongest bridge moved up to the Provincial Spaghetti Bridge competition on the Lower Mainland later this year. Dave Branco, CKPG News. What a versatile food. Mm -hmm. I guess afterwards, you can always <laughs> eat your bridge. Eat your bridge. Boil it up. Some talented kids. I mean, maybe we can consult some of them and see if we can avoid these ice bombs down here on the bridges we have. Maybe they can. That's right. Future, maybe future engineers. Engineers yeah, for I sure. I just wondered why they couldn't figure that one out. Yeah. That's another story. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Good night. Good night.